I've read Haggai. That's not accidental. Before. That's purposeful. Yeah. So it was it was recorded for us by Haggai because God knew exactly what he was going to do 550 mm-hmm. years later yep. to the day. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. This actually ties into my message, though, this week, because we're talking about Haggai, we're not, too. We're not ready I'll for say, that yet. You're, you're oh, talking you're, about that. Hey, welcome message. to the Rethink oh. Podcast. Let's tie it into this week's message. Go. All right, you ready for this? <laughs> All right, so in Haggai 2, 10, there starts... Why did you change your voice all of a sudden? Yeah, it because really quiet. It, it's Dr. Andrew Blumker at this point. Oh, he's quoting the Bible. He wants to make sure it's right. No, I'm not. I'm not quoting. I'm telling a story. It's narrative. So in where it's safe, <laughs> yeah, that, way, that way I can change it, you know, and later. Be, yeah. So in Haggai two, the uh, prophet Haggai brings to the priest who have not really been doing their priestly duties forever, mm-hmm. uh, two scenarios, one about, um, being clean, like, you know, or being unclean and the way the food is prepared and stuff. And this idea that if you're unclean, everything you touch becomes unclean. But if you're clean and you touch something, it doesn't make it clean. And so here we go with the virus. Somebody described that last night. The energy flows from positive to negative, never negative to positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neurons, electrons. It's, it follows with behavior in junior high kids, mm. too. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. I, also, I also think One bad that... apple in a bunch spoils a whole basket. Yep. I also think it's a lesson, though, in, like, where you receive your information from, because the order in which, like, God speaks through his prophet to the priest, to the people, it's like, I mean, the the job of an Old Testament priest was to know the law and communicate the law to the people, right? And And live it. And live it. Mm -hmm. And so he uses this, this as an opportunity to remind the people, hey, like, the priests need to know this. They need to live it, and they need to communicate it with the people so that they can know the heart of God, and they can live this out in their life. And the first thing that came to my mind is that order, because I know we're contributing to the what I'm about to bring up, because we two post sixty second clips of messages. But there's a lot of people out there that that's that's their source of like theology. Like mm-hmm. they're they're jumping on the internet and they're mm-hmm. getting a sixty second message and they're taking that as truth. That's why we talk about like you need to know your word. You need to know. There's no context. Right, and so like I think I think it's a reminder of you need to be careful about what you let in and how you let it in. Well, here's the thing: the priests knew they had the right answers, right, and they knew the right answers. But there's a difference in knowing the right answer and re- living in obedience to living what God right has said. Life. Yeah, totally. And, and, that's, so, and that's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes, you know, if you get on the internet, you hear a cultural commentary and not biblical truth. If someone comes to you or the situation they're dealing with in their life, they should not have to wonder, am I going to get a biblical answer? They shouldn't come to us and wonder. We should just be able to point them to truth. That doesn't mean that we know everything. I guess what I've, what I've learned is that I'm better off not giving an answer when someone comes to me that I am to give them how I feel about a certain situation. Like I'm better off pointing them to the truth of scripture mm-hmm. than I am to give them my opinion. And so, that's what's going on here. Yeah. So I think the really very like practical thing from this is the fact that even if you're hanging around church people, 
let's say even your spouse is a Christian and you're not like that doesn't make you righteous. Yeah. And so that's, that's the interesting thing about this whole situation because they're rebuilding the temple. They're doing what God has said them do, but they're not doing it with the heart. They're not doing it in a, they, they believe they're doing these religious acts that makes them holy. And that's not the case at all. Like, even if you're around Christian people, you're doing Christian things, you're coming to church, you're doing all these things, that doesn't make you right with God. Only Jesus makes you right with God, which is a relationship with God that he's redeeming and restoring in your life. It's a personal thing. It's a repentance thing. It's a worship thing. And that's where these people have lost out. They don't understand it. I should know the answer to this question, and I think I do, but I'm not confident. So I want to fact check it. Well, he had three chapters Levi. of Haggai, so Levi, take that for what it's worth. Just chapter three in Haggai. <laughs> chapter explain. Three. <laughs> so when the when the first temple is destroyed by the Babylonians, we lose the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat, which is where the sacrifice would have been applied, the blood sprinkled uh, by the high priest annually. So second temple, now being rebuilt by twenty. Um, BC, five twenty BC, not AM. The <laughs> the sacrifices were not being offered from this point forward, right? Do we we don't have what no, was the they, priest even doing? They were offering sacrifices. They offered sacrifices to eighty seventy, right? Mm -hmm. Until it was destroyed the second time. Yep. So there hasn't been a sacrifice. Well, that's right, because they're offering sacrifices in the time of Christ, right? Yeah. But this whole period of Rebuild. Yeah, they, they wouldn't. They would. That seventy years that it was destroyed. There's no sacrifice. There's no sacrifice there, but there's no Jerusalem there either. They're all, right. You know, the, the majority exiled. of people have been exiled. Which, but after it was built from five twenty until seventy A.D., then yes, then they they still would have performed their priestly duties as they would until seventy A.D. until the Romans destroyed it again. I just thought that when you said the priests weren't really doing their job, but yeah, I mean they were doing that, but they weren't they weren't going before the people to lead the people in the presence of God because the presence of God has not been there. So they don't even know really what, how this looks like. They know all the right answers, but they don't know how to actually lead these people. Yeah. And we lose track of the fact that this is, a, we're, we're totally different generations of people now. Mm -hmm. So you've got people who grew up without any of those experiences previously. Yeah. Yep. They don't even know what yeah. they're missing. I think some, someone I pointed out last week when I was, when I was teaching the beginning of this chapter was to take the whole thing into context to the point that so when the Babylonians destroyed the first temple in 586 and they would have taken the people um, in exile and then Persia comes and then they let them go back well roughly 70 years passed so really that first generation the majority of them are gone would have would have died so it's their children and their grandchildren so they would have never stepped foot in Jerusalem a lot of them depending on where they were at in Babylon they may have not heard the story so like we see stories about from Ezekiel and then from Haggai and uh, um, the other minor prophets. So when they're speaking these words of the Lord, like it's the first time some of these people have ever heard the word of the Lord. Because I don't think a lot of that generational past or pa pass on from one generation to another had been going on. And that's speculative. Like there's, I'm sure there were some that were, but I would say the majority, a lot of it, they're hearing this for the first time. One of the interesting things that that I talked to a friend about um was the the ministry of Daniel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. during this this whole period? Um, because he's one of the young guys taken out of the the first wave right. of captives. Yep. And 
he's blessed by the Lord and faithful to the Lord. We know the Lion's Den story. We know the you know, um, just his his story of faithfulness and how he's involved in, in leadership. Oh yeah, direct contact with Nebuchadnezzar, direct contact then, with with Cyrus and then Darius. the Persians. Yep, he remained in a position of influence and authority in that transition of power from mm -hmm. the Babylonians to the Persians. So when you read the story of Daniel, you miss the fact that he's probably one of the very few mm -hmm. that, but he didn't go back to Jerusalem. Right. Mm -hmm. But he's one of the few that if he would have went back, would have known right. what it was like previously. His, I mean, that, that leadership span of um, 70 years, that's, that's amazing. Pretty cool story. I take it here that Haggai would have been one of those guys too, based off chapter two, verse three because of the description of the original temple. Like it makes it, right. it doesn't say it, but it makes it, you think that he would have seen the temple before it fell. So like he would have been one of the other, but again, that's one of those guys. He, he's only here. We don't have any of his story so a lot of before Haggai, Haggai or story after his story. People think Haggai was a part of the first wave of, mm -hmm. of right. deportees as yep. well. Yep. Exiles. Yep. Yeah. And so he's got to be 85. Yeah. He's old. 85, 88. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially for that time. Yeah, totally. I think another interesting thing, because Zechariah is prophesying, uh, especially at this point in chapter 2, uh, overlapping with Haggai. <clears throat> so if you put it on a timeline, you have Haggai's chapter 2 prophecy, and then you have Zechariah, and then you have Haggai end of chapter 2 um, prophecy. And they're saying the same thing, the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. like it Because they didn't know right. this generation had become a cultural representation of God's people. They hadn't become the remnant of God's people in action in the world. And I think that's a big piece because that bridges over to us too. It's like yeah. we look at Christianity throughout America, right? And we've seen these revival periods of time where we come. Everybody believes in God. Right. And you ask that question it means now. nothing. It's actually, it's at one of the lowest levels it's ever been. In, uh, in since, Western Christianity. Since the founding of our country? Yeah. Hmm. So less than half of the uh, population, when asked, would say they even believe in God at this point. So, like, this happens through multiple cultures and, you know, demographics all across the world. And God usually brings about some sort of revival. And, you know, it's crazy how he does that. But it's so easy. You're only two generations away from losing this information and that's where they're at. They're mm. right at the end of this. And God is saying the word of the Lord through his prophets, the word, this is truth. This is stuff you can bank your life on and it matters. Put your trust in him. Yeah. And they're like, okay, like I'm going to try to figure this thing out. You know, our crops aren't doing real good. Maybe we'll give it a shot. And he's like, trust me, I'm the one who's created all things. I think I got your crops. That may be some, some of the significance of Haggai being one who had seen, mm -hmm. right? Because what, yeah, because he's seen the former glory. He's seen the former glory, and he has a voice not just from the Lord, but of credibility because real life experience said, "Been there, done that." You know, I was a part of this. Mm -hmm. I think in that concept of if they're hearing this for the first time, whether it's from Ezekiel or any of the prophets, not necessarily Haggai, but Haggai alone, you know that. 38 verses in those two chapters. Um, as I was, as I was studying that there's 25 different times that Haggai mentions the word of the Lord and may, it's maybe in a different form, like maybe declares the Lord or says the Lord or message of the Lord or the voice of the Lord, but 25 times in 38 verses, 
He's declaring, hmm. this is from the Lord. 14 of those times, it's Lord <coughs> Almighty. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, because, crazy. so Darius, that's a big part of this. Darius and the kings of Babylon all declared themselves mm-hmm. Lord. Lord. And this is above that. And yep. Haggai wants them to know, like, yes, you were ruled over. You experienced all that. But the Lord of all things, like is the one who's in charge and he's the one doing this. And I think then you find in the end of Haggai, that last little sermon, which is really small about Zerubbabel. He's from the line of David. People are, they, they've heard about a Messiah maybe, but like, what does this look like? So, and you know, it says you're going to be my signet ring. So that's like the authority, all this, you know, power. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to, come use you but obviously it's not Zerubbabel but it's through the line of David and I think the the big takeaway there for us is like God's not done writing the story and no matter where we find ourselves in that timeline of what God's doing he is working to bring about his redemption and restoration for his people for good for his kingdom and he will not stop until it is finished right I think that, and this is interpretive, but I think in chapter two, early on, when he talks about shaking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then, then a glory that surpasses the former glory will reside here in the with the temple. I, I think that's a messianic. Oh, oh for sure, for sure. It's yep. like it's it's just going to get better. It's just going to get better. Yep. This building isn't going to replicate the previous one. That's okay, because it's going to get better. So. In the, in the message that I have for this week in Clay County is the bridging that very first story of clean, unclean, and how that happens. Because if you touch something, you become unclean, right? And this is a messianic, I think, overtone of where we're going with Jesus. What does Jesus do to the leper? Touches him. What does he do to the woman who's bleeding? Touches him. And does she he become him. unclean? Nope. nope. God with us, Emmanuel. Like... We're whoa, 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 whoa. I know, Christmas season. That's the Advent series, and I, know. I got week one. We can't go there. <laughs> and that's where I'm going. But, like, he doesn't become unclean. He declares clean. Only God himself yep. can declare someone clean. Mm-hmm. Man, like, what an incredible picture there. Because there's a real thing. You can connect these two pieces, too. They Their cleanliness and the priest process was through sacrifice. He's the sacrifice. Yep. yep. He's the priest. Yep. He's the, He's the prophet, Almighty. priest, and king because they've Amen. not had a king to rule since this time. Right. Yeah. Still. Right. Benjamin Net and Yahoo not is not a king. Nope. This one I think is cool that I discovered since our last podcast. I didn't know this information, but we we're talking about the greater glory, like what is to come, whether it's, you know, that, that, not whether it is, it's Jesus, it's the Messiah. And so. As we know, like this is the most accurate historical book we have based off King Darius's year. So if you go to chapter two, verse one on the 21st day of the seventh month. Um, so that date, we can process that date. Our modern calendar would be October the 17th of the year 520 BC. That date was also the final day of the Feast of Tabernacles of the year 520 BC. And so the message of the Lord that he's that Haggai is saying there is that starts speaking. Um, my, my Bible started talking to me, Matthew chapter 12. 
Um, I was like, "Whoa!" That uh, the word of the I, Lord I, just came upon. I, us. I, I thought you like just. You know, I think I just. I think I just. My no, coffee cup here for this one. I touched my phone and I'm on Matthew twelve because I'm going to quote that in a second. Um, but like he's but saying, you're read it if you were going to quote it. You just remember well, it. Yeah. That, that's true. But yeah, so so what he's saying. So Haggai, I guess I'm quoting the beginning of Haggai. I'm going to read Matthew twelve. Um, Haggai that day, he's saying he's telling the people. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, so the Feast of Tabernacles, if you remember, this is the feast Egypt. that they came and they celebrated the year's harvest. And we read chapter one, like they had no harvest because they weren't in line with God. It's also mm. referred to as the Feast of the Booths when they celebrated their exile out of Egypt. And celebration they, and of they, God's provision. Yes. Yep. And that's what that is. And so during this time, he's, he's telling the people that on the last day of that year, when their year sucked, their year had no, nothing because of their actions. Well, if you jump over to Matthew 12, verse 6. Jesus is saying, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here, referring to himself. Um, did you use that last week? I did. Okay. Are you using it this week? No. Um, and good, then though. if you jump over, to, but I, was, I was going to. But and then if you jump over to covered. John chapter 7, um, yep. 37, 38, this one I'll paraphrase. Um, paraphrase? paraphrase? Is that from French? That's, like my, French that's my South Texan okay. coming two. out. That's two French fries. <laughs> paraphrase. Well, there's two verses, 37, 38. So. John chapter 7, 37, 38 is also the last day. I'm trying to be serious. Sorry, that, was, that was the funniest thing I've heard him See, say. He's getting charismatic over here. <laughs> Stephen Furtick, he's also, part two. Here we go. John right, 7. Go John 7. It's also the last day of the Feast of Tur Tabernacles. Oh, you almost got a third. <laughs> almost did. Wow. And uh, that's a good and, and that's the time that mm -hmm. um, his brothers were encouraging him to go almost mocking him but he chose not to go with them and then he comes in later and he goes and so it also says at the last day of the feast of tabernacles he stands up mm -hmm. most of them were teaching you know they were sitting but he stood up to draw their attention what he says says if you are and he says in a loud voice if you are thirsty come to me mm -hmm. if you're thirsty come to me and get a drink they've been doing the libation offering mm. every day yep. and that's the yep. end yep yep libation to drink yep and Water. so like to me that whole correlation like the fact that they gave us the date, mm -hmm. Haggai gave us the date on what was happening. And if the people, like for us, we got to study for this out. A lot of them in Jesus' day would have known what these dates signify, what, what was going on, what was happening. And so Jesus to stand up in the same place, the same place that here, Haggai, they're like, we're going to build this temple. So that's the second temple period. Oh, wow. That's where Jesus was at when he's teaching this. He's, at, good. he's yeah. at the new building and he stands up and he proclaims that. You know, after verse 12, 6, we're saying something greater than the temple is here. Like, I am here. Like, to me, like, my mind was just blown when I came across the specific dates of what was going on and then correlation with how Jesus was proclaiming who he was to the to the people. So that's good. I used all that last week. I just want to stand and applaud you right now. No. I've been making fun of you there two it's or three times. It's a that's slow really clap good. going. Well... That's that really, is that really is good. good. When I was trying to get all the information now, that's where the uh, the word, the stumbling of the word. So don't so, worry, that happens on Sundays too. <laughs> this just blows your mind when you think about things like that. It does. Five hundred and twenty years before, well, plus thirty three, so five hundred and fifty three years, yeah. four years, uh, depends on the calendar yeah. transition there what we're dating. But I said roughly five fifty, but yeah, yeah, roughly five fifty. God knew exactly, exactly what Jesus was going to do on that day. Mm -hmm. What blows my mind, and maybe just for the average everyday reader who just opens a book and reads, 
Like you don't understand the gravity uh-huh. of the message if you just open a book and you read it so, until you start digging into like what is actually taking place, what is actually happening. Because mm-hmm. I've read Haggai. That's not accidental. Before. That's purposeful. Yeah. So it was it was recorded for us by Haggai because God knew exactly what He was going to do mm-hmm. 550 years later yep. to the day. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. Pretty good book. On a scale of one to nine or one to ten, where are you guys? Nobody at? does one to nine. What are you talking about? <laughs> that was our viewership. Sorry, uh, from one to nine. <laughs> nine times greater than before. Yeah, it you, was one to ten. Yeah, well, I'm just saying one to ten now. On a scale, where are you guys at about studying the Book of Haggai? I like it. Me too. I'm, yeah, up, to ten. A, I'm up to a three. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. You're so charismatic, Jeff. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. It's been good for me. I, I have too. I didn't. All these things have never been connected before yeah. for me. You know, I think uh, I was I was thinking about like this whole process that I feel like I've gone through over the last couple of years, and it really started, which is you know it's kind of cliche, but when we went to Israel for that first teaching trip, was I think there was a realization, oh, like there's what I know, but then there's what what God wants to mm-hmm. reveal through His Word. And that whole living and active thing really came alive in my life. And I think that's part of what we're seeing in Haggai is there's so many layers of scripture that if we invest our lives in knowing God's word, he's going, God's going to reveal these things to us that just really help us connect all the pieces right. together. So what, what he just did mm-hmm. takes it from this is a really cool interwoven historical story to this is the redemptive plan of God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus is in the middle of all of it. Yep. Well, no, it's cool. Like even what you said, like you can go to where the temple was. You can go to the Southern Steps. You can go to the end. And so like that part that I was reading out of John 7, John 7 mm-hmm. like it was going into the temple courts. Like to me, that was the Southern Steps. Now yep. we don't know for sure if it was the Southern Steps, but he's going into the temple courts. He's teaching. Well, where do they most commonly teach? On the Southern Steps. So like... When I when I was reading through that, like that's the picture that came in my head is being on the southern steps and seeing everything you saw there. Like you can go to those places today. It's right. not just some it's not just a book that is just great wealth of information, but no, it's people and places live these lives. They happen so that we can now live our lives for Jesus Christ. Oh, we're done. It's real. It just my microphone shut off. No, I can hear you. I can hear you. You can hear me? Mm-hmm. I can't hear myself. You just quit talking. We'll okay. walk. I'm done. <laughs> Could be your earphones. <clears throat> Matt, what do you got to share this week? Well, I'm going to wrap this whole story up, tie it all back t- together with a bow right. on top. And so far, I'm going to use a lot minutes. of what Caleb said. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, I like I have not ever really studied this before. So, and like, you know, you're asking the question like one to 10, and I started at like I'd say a one. But seeing the, seeing the plan of God and how he's just written it all together and connected all the pieces, like, it's amazing to see the fact that he's a reminder that he's always working mm-hmm. and that he's always writing a bigger story. And I think for me, the lesson that I've learned in this is just to stop. I, I refer to it in the message as like reading the fine print. Like instead of reading it like the fine print, like read it as the bigger story and see that God's, God's developing something pretty amazing here. For me, when I sometimes go to the Old Testament, I have a tendency to do that read it little like little by little trying to find all that detail and it's like yeah that's important and that's where that's that some of that stuff comes from but 
Man, just to remember God's doing something bigger is pretty incredible. Still. Yeah. Doing something. Yep. Right. Anything from last week more you want to share, Caleb? You should have seen his board this week. I mean, <laughs> I walked in, I was like, oh, you going to teach uh, in the Old Testament survey DTI class? Because this is pretty solid. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I really enjoy it. And really, like, a few little key things just hit me. And then I just dug deeper. And so, like, now going on, like, anytime I see a specific date like that, now I want to find out what's going on in the date. Because the first few times, and I was kind of like you, like I heard you say yeah, earlier. It's not random. Like, I, I, read, I read, you read through it for, like, a month prior to. And I, I had I'd been reading through it. But when I start studying, then when I came across like a certain date, then I'm like, whoa. And then I start pieces things together. Like, and a lot of that was help from commentary and stuff like that too. So, mm-hmm. um, but like to me, like now every time I come across anything like that because of the re- revelation I got from here, like I went, oh, what, what happened that day? What's going on? So it just caused me to study Concluding more. Concluding thoughts on Haggai Levi? Yeah. So I will say something similar to what you guys have said, but maybe a little bit differently. But remember, it does come at the end of the Old Testament. You know, both obviously, like book-wise, but also um, just chronologically. And so, as you're reading the Old Testament, you're kind of left with this picture, this question of where is God? Because mm. when the first, well, when the tabernacle is first built and dedicated, it's very evident that God's presence descends. It comes down. It's you know, God is there. When Solomon builds the first temple, and they dedicate it, the uh, you know, presence comes down, there's fire, and it's clear that God's presence there. But in Ezra, whenever they dedicate this temple, the second temple, you don't get a picture of that. And so you're kind of left with this question of, is God's presence there? And you mentioned the Ark of the Covenant, too. You know, like, what is going on in this period? And so the Old Testament ends, honestly, with this longing of, are we going to see God's presence revealed? Mm-hmm. And then we pick that up in Matthew when, you know, you start off with the story of Jesus and everything that Caleb was talking about, how Jesus then is embodying that. He's Emmanuel, God with us, um, getting into that series early. But, and the greater you know, glory is Yeah, here. the greater His glory is coming. Here. And so it's... So the Old Testament is pushing us forward the, to the New the Testament. charismatic right there. <laughs> hey, uh, Le- Levi just reminded me of one more thing that was cool. Oh, go for it. This did not make it to the, to the sermon, but he just reminded me that. Guess what day it was when Solomon dedicated the first temple? Well, I'm going to guess it's the same on? day. Dedication day. <laughs> it was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Hmm. Wow. I did not know that. Hmm. You can't hold things like that back from us. I forgot till just now. That I'm saying that didn't even make it the sermon because I forgot I forgot about it till just now. I'm like, oh yeah. It's on my board. <laughs> wow. I haven't erased the board yet. So the the same day we have the dedication of the first temple. And then here he's encouraging them to do the work on the second temple and telling them the greater glory is going to come. And John 7, the gl- John greater 7. glory stands up and says, if you're thirsty, come to me. Mm-hmm. The greater glory is here. Yep. yep. Hmm. It's pretty There's cool. 365 and... days in a year. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been any one of them, yeah. but it wasn't. And when if you, you think about the first temple to Jesus, that's a thousand years. Yeah. There's a thousand years between those two events. It was like 950 when when uh, Solomon wow. finished or dedicated that's that crazy temple. crazy to think about. So, And if you pair it with Zechariah's prophecies, mm-hmm. that's like Zechariah's prophecies are some of the clearest about Jesus. The riding in mm-hmm. on a donkey. Yep. Um, you know, so I don't know. It points even more so to Jesus. 
which is where we're heading next so according to the analytics according to the analytics about 150 people that's the analytics check out the podcast every week i don't know if that's encouraging to you or discouraging but that's what it is 150 yeah 300 that many people in my life group i know right (laughs) i do but that's that's because i just hit you know like replay no 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 no. so that's not the important information (laughs) And then 75%, this part is encouraging, 75% stick around till the end. Really? So, it's about 75% of 150. So we should have like a commercial break in between. About 100. Just to give them a break to go to the bathroom or something. They could push pause. Uh, They push pause. (laughs) 110 people have watched this till now. And they're just waiting with bated breath. Wondering what's the next series going to be. And it's it's an Advent series about Jesus coming. Wait, who saw that coming? All 110 of them. <laughs> Wait, Advent's about the calendar with the chocolates in it, right? And you poke out yeah, the day and you that eat the chocolate. Started the day I guess morning. you got to tune in next week to find out. Colored candles. I thought that we was We have Hanukkah. a lot of them. Because I love symbolism. Hmm. Are we using them? Because they're over there. What the, is it? What, the, what? the candles. The colored candles. In our, in our listening audience. Service. We're going to light them up. They're behind the candlelight service. Light this candle up. Yeah. Are you doing a candlelight service? I hadn't really thought of it. Normally we don't, do we? Hey, we are in Clay County. We, we reinstituted real candles because there's something special about watching people in the midst of worship go, Okay, ah! <laughs> okay. hold on. Say, One quick story. Three hours cleaning Before I, make I, the I put a guy out last year at a candlelight service, not at one of our services. I was visiting another church. Uh, by put him out, he means he punched him in the mouth. So <laughs> he had a candle in the... It fell onto his polyester pants, caught his pants on fire, and he didn't realize it, so I had to grab him. We put him on the ground, and I was patting this dude down in the middle of a dude, candlelight service. You don't like hugging people. I can't imagine patting people down. You were to touching another guy's thighs? Had, I was patting the guy's thighs. He was like 80 it, years old, and it. I threw him on the ground. Heard it here first. <laughs> threw him on the ground. Wow. Before, before we decide reality. if we're doing a candlelight so, service, I'm going to see if my son's going to be awake. I, <laughs> Alabama? Nope. It I'll was here you. in Illinois. I'll try you. <laughs> it down. was... Uh, I'm not going back. So, wow. Well, he be probably there? not by your choice. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, he was fine. So, I actually, no major burns or anything. I actually Just do remember. Needed a new pair of pants. I do remember that we did candles last year because we brought the kids to the service and we're sitting in the back and they start handing out candles and my wife was like, "Oh, geez." <laughs> but we didn't just do it for one service. We did it for three services. The same we candles. We did the two in the morning. Yeah. And then the one. No, in the we're night. just doing it. We're just doing it at night here. Oh, I know there was so much wax everywhere. Well, <laughs> so much wax. Just let's make sure we have fire precautions in place. All right. Nah. Let the safety Thanks for joining us. System. Thanks for joining us on the Rethink Podcast. All let us let us know in the comments here. if you like real candles. Uh, yeah. Hey, I mean, be, be campus specific. Uh, yeah, be be campus specific because. I, I thought I'll just, about I'll doing I'll promise you this. I'll there, promise right? you this. I thought we I, I thought, Are you coming to him? For when? I thought Candlelight that. Service. No, I'm going Clay County. So if your pants catch on fire, he ain't going to be here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and if but you'd like County, to. I got you. If you'd like to download the lighter app <laughs> on your phone, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> See you next time.